1: everybody welcome to another edition of the dash trade cast on rotoviz radio brought to you by blue wire hello everybody i don't know why i just did that but it is what it is we live with the decisions we make each and every day and about six or seven years ago i made a decision to become podcast co-hosts with dan seno and that was one of the better decisions i made so now tonight i talk with dan Sanio how's it going right, dan
2: well, you know, the night was okay, but after you hit us with the ballad, I, I think it went from okay to great. That was that was impressive, sir.
1: <laughs> impressive would not be the word, operative word that I would be using, <laughs> but, um, you know, it is what it is. We're on the Rotovis Radio Network, uh, on the Blue Wire Network as well, and today we are going to be talking, uh, we're going to reverse things, go yin-yang from what we did last week. Last week we did you know, busts or poor values in good offenses, and then we did 9 through 12 undervalued. And this week, we're focusing on the reverse, reverse, reverse. We got good values in bad offenses, followed by overvalued players in rounds 9 through 12. Are you ready to get started, Dan?
2: I think we have to for the people. After after you got them all riled up with your singing, I, I think we don't have a choice.
1: <laughs> if they're still
2: listening, we will. Yeah, find, they we'll they shut out. it off. They shut it <laughs> off already. It's fine.
1: All right. So let's talk about some bad offenses. Uh, we were talking pre-show a little bit about it, it's a lot easier to use like last year's yards per game to determine which the good offenses are. There are some low yardage teams from last year that are actually looking like, you know, good offenses for 2021. So kind of had to hop around a little bit. Some of them are the lower end teams, but some of them were the middle middle of the road teams as well last year. So we have um, the worst offense in the NFL in 2020, the New York J-E-T-S Jets, Jets, Jets. So it's time to do some scavenging. We've got to find some value in the New York Jets offense. They have uh, Zach Wilson. Um, He is going off the board at five Oh one. And then they have some wide receivers and some tight ends going in the later rounds and some running backs. So where are you finding the value on this New York jets offense? Dan?
2: Well, I think one of the obvious ones is Corey Davis, who for the last couple of years has had to work opposite AJ Brown, uh, which definitely helps to an extent, but also you, you lose a little bit in potential volume. Now, uh, his target share hasn't been a, a crazy number at any point, but he was one of the primary options in that offense. And now he goes to uh, a New York Jets team that, well, they, they don't have anyone, really. Uh, they did draft Elijah Moore, who I think may fit into uh, this type typecast as well. But I really do believe Corey Davis is set up, uh, assuming Zach Wilson is even remotely competent, uh, I think Corey Davis is set up for a halfway decent year. I don't think 120 targets is out of the realm of possibilities, uh, and it could be higher than that. I would anticipate the Jets throwing the ball quite often. Uh, Corey Davis can can thrive in that. Obviously, uh, they may not be the best targets available, but volume is volume. Uh, we've we've seen you know, uh, and I'm not comparing Corey Davis to DeAndre Hopkins, but we've seen players like DeAndre Hopkins put up absurd numbers getting targets from Brock Osweiler. So uh, I can't assume that Zach Wilson is going to be as bad or worse than Brock Osweiler. So I do think uh, Corey Davis is in for a decent year and honestly has a nice floor for dynasty value because he is, he's gotten relatively cheap.
1: Yeah. Corey Davis. I feel like, you know, when a wide receiver goes into free agency, you're, you're kind of like, okay, there's the best case. There's the worst case. And going into it, the Jets probably weren't the, the best landing spot, especially because, you know, they didn't have a quarterback when he signed. They ended up drafting Zach Wilson at 102, and then they drafted the wide receiver in the second round, Elijah Moore. Uh, but I think that his value has kind of, you know, fallen a little bit or just it hasn't risen as much you would, as you would expect. We, we, we talked about, um, you know, DJ Chark, how his value either should have gained more more or you know would have gained more uh, with the Trevor Lawrence drafting. Basically, when a team drafts a young quarterback, that usually results in a boost in the wide, rec- in wide receivers for that team, particularly young ones. And Corey Davis is not an old player. He's probably like 26, 27 uh, off the top of my head. So Corey Davis is definitely a player that I like at his current value around the, uh, let's see, uh, the 10th round? Maybe I'm missing. Uh, I don't have it in front of me right now. Um, but yeah, he's, he's going fairly late. And looking at his range of outcomes out of his distribution chart, His most likely outcomes for PPR points are around 14 to 17 points. So that's a very high, you know, for for his price tag in the, you know, very low rounds. He is definitely a value based on, you know, that distribution score.
2: He is going in the 12th round, believe it or not, being valued very similarly to teammate Denzel Mims, which doesn't make any sense to me, and going, count them, three rounds later than Elijah Moore. So... Uh, I think that's the obvious value catch here. And and I do like Elijah Moore. I, I think he's going to demand a, a nice piece of the offense, but I, I think it runs all through Corey Davis at this stage. He's he's their proven veteran. We've seen him compete at a high level, and, and we know that he can do this. So I would say I, I'm putting my my eggs in the Corey Davis basket at this point.
1: And he is just 26 years old, so, you know, pretty young for a guy who's entering his second contract. So, yeah, I think Corey Davis is a solid – just for a guy who actually came out late as well. So, Corey Davis is a good value here. Elijah Moore probably has the most upside of this offense, unless you're talking about, obviously, Zach Wilson you know, his upside is being a top two, two top two, three round pick this time next year, but he's being drafted in like the fifth round. So it's not, there's not much room to grow for Zach Wilson. Whereas, and there's not, and that's the, you know, that's the difficult part about dynasty is yes. We're saying Corey Davis is a value, but I'm not going to say that Corey Davis can be like a seventh round pick next year. Cause like, it's just the way veteran wide receivers are undervalued. Like no one's going to see like a wide receiver twenty-four finish from Corey Davis and say, "Let's move him up." If you're honest. he's going to continue to be a value. So this is not a buy to sell later asset. This is a buy to get the points asset.
2: Absolutely, one hundred percent. And and to go back to your Zach Wilson point, you know the the fifth is a somewhat reasonable price tag for a you know second overall rookie quarterback. Uh, going into a somewhat tough spot because, you know, well, thankfully he doesn't have very big shoes to fill because the, the shoes he has to fill are essentially thimble sized. So, um, you know, it, his floor is who knows? It's it could be rock bottom that that could essentially be his floor. We don't know. Uh, but a, a significant ceiling, just very little room for growth because he is going in the fifth, like you mentioned.
1: All right, let's move on to the other team that plays in MetLife Stadium. Another poor offense, an offense that we've been frustrated with over the last couple of years, that is the New York Giants. New York Giants are a team that have a nice group of weapons. We have Saquon Barkley. We have <laughs> Kadarius Tony. We Don't. have uh, Sterling, Sterling Shepard. We have Evan Ingram. There's a lot of different things going on in this Giants offense. Obviously, going through Saquon Barkley is the main avenue but where can we find some value in this offense?
2: Well, that's, that's tough to do, to be completely honest. And, and uh, going back to listing the players, you did miss Kenny Galladay, yeah, uh, the, that, the yeah, new addition always, Darius yeah. Clayton. Yeah. He's very forgettable, you know, 50, 50 ball from a guy that can't throw anyone open. So it should go really, really well in New York, honestly. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, I'm forever a Sterling Shepard lover, but Daniel Jones is just not that guy. The offensive line is absolutely atrocious. The defense is whatever. But this this team is, it, it just none of it really seems to make a whole lot of sense. They bring in, uh, well, he's labeled as a wide receiver, but he doesn't strike me as someone with any wide receiver traits. He is a returner, and he's quite good at that. He is not very good at being a wide receiver. I don't understand that pick. I think he's, I mean, he's even going in like the 10th round, 12th round, wherever he's going. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not picking him as a top four wide receiver. I don't think he has, he has that value to me. I don't see where these points are going to be coming from. The target share is going to pretty much go to Kenny Galladay. Saquon's going to get his, his workload. And, and then you, you know, you stick with Saquon there historically. And, and Ryan McDowell, um tweeted about it the other day, bad offenses don't produce good running back production. It, it's just, it's not how it works. So if we're talking about taking Saquon as a top one, two, three, five running back in this landscape, you're not going to see a return on that investment because the New York Giants are going nowhere fast. They, they have, in my opinion, a dead end at quarterback. They didn't improve the offensive line at all. And really i mean what did they gain for a weapon kenny galladay you you have essentially a red zone target a guy that plays 50 50 balls and somebody that can't really throw 50 50 balls so it's it's kind of brutal Uh, you know darius slayton may be of value just because he's going so late and with the addition of kenny galladay and Kadarius tony he may just kind of be swept under the rug so Uh, You know, for for the cost of goods, I'm probably just being like, hey, if I can get Slayton or Shepard late uh, for uh, for a late pick or whatever it happens to be, I'm on board. The one possible maybe sliver of life remaining would be Evan Ingram. But we all know how we feel about tight ends on this show. I'm I'm not going to sink in what the name probably is still still demanding uh, at the position.
1: Well, with Evan Ingram, I I think that he is the value in this offense. I'm double checking to make sure I'm not missing something. Yep, I'm correct. The one sliver of hope and one sliver of hope for all the weapons in the Giants offense is that maybe Daniel Jones will be gone. But if you don't have to even worry about that, Evan Evan Ingram will not be a New York Giant in 2022. So I'm buying Evan Ingram on the sole purpose of... I get him next year when he lands in his next place. We know how much tight ends succeed in second and second landing spots, or how much they succeed, you know, when they're given, you know, more years to develop. And I'm not saying Evan Ingram needs more time to develop. I need, I'm saying he needs to develop in a better offensive with a better team with a non clapping offensive coordinator. So with <laughs> Evan Ingram, Evan Ingram I am buying for the sole purpose of 2022 and he is a free agent so uh, I think that while some of the guys are connected long term like Galladay and Barkley I'm going for the guy who is not signed to the long-term deal
2: and you know the the scarcity of the position that that idea is is important when considering someone like that obviously the tight end landscape is somewhat hideous so getting someone that has a halfway decent track record the two times he's played 15 or 16 games, he's had over 100 targets. The two seasons he didn't, he was well on pace for that, uh, obviously fell short with those injuries. But, you know, he's uh, he, he's not one of those guys that needed the time to develop. He was already there. He just needs a, a real home. He needs a quarterback in an offense. Uh, like you mentioned, the, I mean, the short term, you could still see 100-plus targets. I, I'm not saying that's that's out of the realm of possibilities either. I just... Uh, They're not the best of targets, is kind of my point.
1: That makes sense. Now let's continue on the East Coast with, you know, this is definitely not an offense I would have uh, assumed would be bad just a few years ago, but now it is an offense that is definitely presumed to be hashtag bad. It is the New England Patriots after a year of Cam Newton and bringing in Mac Jones and just a lackluster uh, weaponry going on in New England. Where are we finding the value here? Is it the quarterbacks with Mac Jones and Cam Newton is it the tight ends with John new Smith. I'm trying to find some value in the bill Belichick offense and I'm not, not liking it.
2: So I get a little bit surprised when I look at the skill players on this team. And there's actually a fair amount of decent value to be had. In my opinion, I'm a big fan of Damian Harris. We've talked about him before. I, I do think he's got some really nice upside. Uh, and we know that they like to to do the, the running back carousel. But I, I still think that's his backfield uh, as a 1A to whatever extent. So I, I do think that Damian, uh, Damian Harris is probably the, the main guy. But I do also see a little bit of value in the tight ends. They both signed pretty sizable contracts. And there's really no other weapons on this offense that's going to demand uh, any sort of target share. So I, I think both tight ends really, again, in a completely hideous tight end landscape could potentially put up high end tight end two or low end tight end one numbers, but together, both of them, uh, Jacoby Myers is another guy that I, I think is a really nice late grab or, or definitely one of those end of roster kind of guys, because, who else is gonna be playing wide receiver for the Patriots? They they don't really have anybody. Their best bet may be to move Cam outside and have him play wide receiver.
1: Yeah, Nelson Aguilar at wide receiver seventy, round sixteen a rodovish trave X ADP. He is the very definition of three points, the guy who is going to put up some points. Might might not be the most consistent, might might not be the most startable, you know, week to week, but I definitely feel like Nelson Aguilar is the type that's definitely Going to out outscore his wide receiver 70 ADP. So if I'm, I'm looking for a straight like guy I'm, I'm I want on my team for 2021, it is that guy. With Mac Jones, he's currently going at QB 23 with road of his Traffic's ADP in the seventh round. I don't think it's an overvalue or an undervalue. I think he belongs right about there. I think if you put him in the sixth with with a Baker Mayfield and Allen Robinson, I think that's where it would be overvalued. But in the in the seventh, with guys like Matt Ryan, Kirk, cousins Kenny Galladay I think that that's about where he belongs um but and we talked about you know room for upside with with Zach Wilson I honestly don't see much room for upside in Mac Jones price
2: no I, I agree I think you get what you get with Mac Jones I think he's he's probably a backup level quarterback obviously in a McDaniels Belichick offense you can excel a little bit nobody thought Brady was going to be anything and not to say that Mac Jones can be Tom Brady but They can elevate players. Uh, The lack of any kind of superstar or real, real talent on offense probably isn't going to help the scenario. But, you know, I think Mac Jones will be okay. Uh, I think he's a ceiling and floor hodgepodge. I think he's pretty much the same both directions. Uh, Yeah, and, and, you know, you mentioned Nelson Aguilar. I do think that's free points. Jacoby Myers going four rounds later at wide receiver 88. Uh, is, is again, one that I I think is just kind of worth a free shot as well.
1: All right, let's move on to our next team. And it is going to be a team that projects to be one of the worst offenses in 2021. It is the Motor City Detroit Lions. So this is an interesting team because realistically, they have one, maybe like one and a half dynasty assets on this team. I think that both of these assets are actually fairly, you know, either fairly priced or undervalued. DeAndre Swift is going at 209 in traffics ADP, uh, RB7. I like that RB7 price considering how much we've talked about, you know, how early the running backs are going these days. And then with TJ Hawkinson, we have him at tight end five, which is about where I'd expect. Round five does seem a bit rich. I I actually said that I I thought that, that, you know, These guys were fairly priced. I would say Hawkinson's overvalued at that round five price tag, even with the tight end premium. So, I'm not a huge fan of Hawkinson. If I was forced to say I want to go out and buy one player based on this ADP, based on this team, it'd have to be Swift.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, He's he's the one player with with big time upside. uh, But going back to the the Saquon Barkley argument of of a running back just not putting up numbers in really bad offenses. I mean, that's, that's a perfect quote for Deandre Swift. I, I don't see how we get that, that return again. A uh, good friend of the show, Ryan McDowell just the other day tweeted. And I, I actually tagged you, Nathan in in a response. Uh, Ryan McDowell says the lions aren't currently favored in any of their 17 games. Since 2000, only eight running backs have finished as an RB1 playing for a team with zero to three wins, and none of them finished higher than RB7. So not great, right? Probably not what we're looking for. And, and everybody, well, you win when you run the ball. No, you run the ball when you're winning. That's, that's how it works. So we're chasing the passing game upside in DeAndre Swift and having Jared Goff under center is a significant downgrade, in my opinion. No one's afraid of Jared Goff. They are going to be putting every defender in the box and putting a safety in a corner on TJ Hawkinson because they have no one else they need to stop. And then they can just focus on DeAndre Swift. It's going to be a massacre. Uh, Detroit, I'm going to lock in now, is your 2022 first pick in the NFL draft.
1: So, so then... Where is the undervalue here uh, for, is it, is it golf? No. Uh, so where, where's the undervalue in the Detroit
2: offense? Actually, as I'm looking at it, I know what it is for you. Is it just keeping hold? Can I hold on to Calvin Johnson still? That might be the best option at this point. What do, I think what do, I honestly think. Saint Brown? <laughs> I, you know, I like, I like St. Brown as more of the long con, the long play, keeping him on your, on your roster. I do think he's a decent value at the, at the moment. Um, Chasing the free points like we were with Nelson Aguilar and potentially Jacoby Myers, I think uh, Quintez Cephas kind of fits that mold as well. It's his second year on the team, obviously with a different quarterback, but he, he showed, I think, enough last year that would make me believe he could at least play a supporting role in an offense. And in Detroit, they're going to be throwing a lot. That could potentially be 80 to 100 targets. Uh, I would expect Hawkinson to get a bajillion targets. I would expect Swift to get quite a few. But the receivers have to get targets as well. Uh, And again, the quality of target won't be great. Like we've stated, pretty much all of these guys uh, on this list because the common theme seems to be some pretty poor quarterback play. But uh, I think Cephas has a lot of upside considering the price. St. Brown is... Well, I would say St. Brown is probably the safest asset just because of how early Hawkinson and Swift both are going uh, and their ability to bust just based on the offense. Whereas St. Brown's a rookie. You don't really expect much from him this year. And moving forward, hopefully with that first overall pick, they'll be able to get a real quarterback. And then all of a sudden that offense looks pretty nice. Uh, If St. Brown becomes something, a wide receiver two in an offense, they're able to land. One of the top three quarterbacks in the 2022 class, and add potentially a high-end wide receiver. I think I think you can quickly change that offense into something uh, much more substantial than what it currently is now, which is milk toast.
1: Yeah, n- nothing fixes an offense like putting in a good quarterback when you have golf. <laughs> <And> the, <laughs> the Rams will find that out soon. All right, let's wrap up v- values and bad offenses with an offense that there's a chance it might not be bad but if it if it is bad it's going to be probably one of the worst offenses in NFL history and it is the Houston Texans Houston Texans there is one of two possibilities there is the possibility Deshaun Watson starts for them week 1 there is the a possibility that Tyrod Taylor starts for them week 1 Deshaun Watson can hide and mask a lot of weaknesses Tyrod Taylor will be a weakness so I think I guess you can you can give your thoughts on this but I'm currently you know living my fantasy life as if Deshaun Watson doesn't exist anymore. Are you doing the same and if so where are we finding the value in the in the Texans offense?
2: Yeah, it's hard to think anything other based on all of the news we've gotten it it kind of just seems like hey, he's taking the year off, but obviously none of that's made official yet and uh we don't want to speculate on on that, but We'll see. It's tough to reach for Deshaun Watson and try to get him for good value in like the fifth, sixth, seventh rounds of these. You know, if he's there late, you know, tenth or later, because everyone's assuming the same thing. I think at that point he becomes uh, worth a little bit of the risk. But where he's still going, he most definitely is not uh, not worth that risk. I do think Brandon Cooks, uh, unless it is Tyrod Taylor or Davis Mills. Uh, is not going to be great, I guess. Uh, Obviously, those those running backs as well are all old, tattered, and not really what you're looking for in a dynasty running back. So this offense as a whole may just be a complete avoid. But I think if you were going to have any hope for any of them, it's going to be Brandon Cooks. And he's going, I think, in the, the top end of the wide receiver five conversation. So in that wide receiver fifty area, I believe is where Brandon Cooks is going. So twelve twelve oh twelve
1: oh one wide receiver forty
2: nine. Yeah, and with his with his profile, I mean that's that's pretty darn cheap. The all of the assumptions there are no Deshaun Watson, obviously, or he'd be going much higher.
1: Yeah. So there there is the upside of Cooks that if Watson does play, then, then Cooks, I think, is a, a very solid value there. And you, you mentioned that, you know, Watson is not a good value right now. His his current draft selection of being valued at 401. 401. He's currently going four oh one, which don't get that. He's going ahead of Aaron Rodgers, going ahead of Travis Etienne, going ahead of Matthew Stafford. You're taking a, a, a large, large leap of faith to take Watson over the guys that are going over him right now. So he's definitely not the value. I agree, Cooks. Cooks is the option. It's basically the, you know, kind of similar to uh, Corey Davis to where, like, this guy's not going to gain value. Like, Corey Davis is, I mean, Brand Cooks is not going to be, like, a ninth-round pick next year. But he's going to give you points this year and be worth approximately the same next year.
2: Yeah, I mean, they have to throw the ball to somebody. So, again, like we've stated with every single one of these guys – quality of target isn't going to be great but volume will be pretty significant
1: all right let's move on to our uh next topic which is going to be the overvalued players in rounds 9 through 12. before we do that before we do that let's hear a word from ourselves roto viz Get your Rhodoviz, get your subscription, get involved, blue wire. All you need to do, do it up, do it good. Now, Rotoviz Trafficx ADP, which we say every time, make sure you get involved. These Rhodoviz Traffics, I mean, it's July, so dynasty season is winding down. So if you want to get in a Rhodoviz Traffics uh, league in uh, FFPC, make sure to do it now because I'm sure those are winding down pretty, pretty soon as they ramp up for uh, you know redraft season. All right, let's go to our overvalued players in round nine. I have the odds this evening, and Dan has the evens. The overvalued players in round nine. I've actually got a pair of guys that I'm saying, eh, I don't know about that. And obviously, when we're talking about overvalued players in rounds nine through 12, none of these guys are like, oh, you're going to sink your team if you drop this player in round nine. You're going to sink this team. It, like, you're not ruining your team rounds nine through 12. It's just like, okay, this guy, he probably should be going a little bit later. So I got two of those for round nine. Um, first one's Jameis Winston. Uh, Jameis Winston carries a lot of risk for how much Sean Payton loves Taysom Hill. I, I think that even if Jameis is named the week one starter, I think there's going to be a lot of vulturing done by Taysom Hill, if, even if Jameis is named the starter, which is going to, you know, deter me away from starting Jameis on week-to-week basis outside of, you know, maybe super flex leagues. Uh, you know, deep complexities. So I'm not a huge fan of James at this price tag at QB twenty eight, um round nine. It's not prohibitive, but it does it doesn't really account for his weekly floor, which is obviously not even starting at all.
2: It's zero. His weekly floor is is zero. And and you mentioned Taysom Hill. I, I think best case scenario is each quarterback has packages and they rotate, which is the worst case scenario for all of the weapons on the offense. So uh, I don't think Sean Payton is going to do that. I do genuinely think that they're going to roll out Taysom Hill. He got the work last year. I don't see it really changing, and uh, which is unfortunate. I, I think Jameis is good for fantasy, uh, bad for actual football. Whereas Taysom maybe is halfway decent for actual football because it's a little less predictable. Whereas you know Jameis is just going to YOLO ball everything anytime he drops back. Or hand it off to to Alvin Kamara. So uh, I agree completely there. I, I wouldn't be taking Jameis over Goff. I wouldn't be taking him over Roethlisberger. Uh, definitely not anywhere near Derek Carr. Even Ryan Fitzpatrick. I, I think I'm taking Ryan Fitzpatrick there. Yeah, I mean
1: Winston obviously has the better long term upside than Ryan Fitzpatrick. But in terms of guy that you want in your lineup in 2021, it's it's Fitzpatrick pretty easily. Um, and the other guy that I'm, I'm fading at his current price tag at the 905 RB27 is Michael Carter. Day three running back, you you, you can espouse all the things about how the Jets. We're going to try and take him the third if they had a third, but they traded up for Elijah Tucker. Uh, I don't care. He's, he's a day three running back on an offense that hasn't proven itself yet. So I, I think he's an overvalued at that price tag.
2: Yeah, and that just strikes me as a running back by committee type setup. I, I don't think... We see any significance of Michael Carter. He's a fine prospect, but not someone I'm I'm chasing down when I could have Debo Samuel, Terrace Marshall, Odell Beckham, for God's sake, uh, in the exact same round. And and also, you know, a fellow rookie, uh, Elijah Moore. So I, I'm, there's enough guys, even in the next few rounds, where I'm not even considering Michael Carter there.
1: All right. So who do you have for your round 10 overvalued
2: round 10? Uh, one name just when I'm looking up and down the list stuck out like a sore thumb and at RB 33 and uh, I, 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 Nathan, I don't get it. I'm hoping you can explain it to me. Kenneth Gainwell going in the 10th ahead of, ahead of Ronald Jones, ahead of uh, Jalen Rager uh, and, and a, a plethora of folks in the next few rounds. Com- explain it to me. I-, I don't understand this.
1: Yeah, Kenneth Gainwell. It's, his ADP would make sense if he didn't have the much better Miles Sanders ahead of him. He's in a young offense. You know, you can talk yourself into it. Like I've talked myself into Chuba Hubbard a little bit in round twelve. And that's a similar prospect profile, Kenneth Gainwell versus tube uh, Hubbard. But Gainwell's going two whole rounds earlier than him. So, yeah, I, I can't understand the Gainwell, uh, you know, hype. I, I haven't really even seen Gainwell hype. So I, I think this is a very niche group of people who are liking Gainwell to select him as a top 10 round player. I'd much rather go wide receiver or tight end in, in this range. So, yeah, I... I the one thing you can talk yourself into is he was a high yards per carry guy in college. That's really it. Like I don't, I don't see where the opportunity is coming from in the Eagles' offense. This, ju-
2: this just seems like the Jeremy McNichols thing all over again.
1: <laughs> Jeremy, that that one, you know, Jeremy McNichols. Mc- 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 <laughs> Jeremy McNichols, along with Herbert, uh, those are two that <laughs> if the Bucks hadn't just, if the Bucks hadn't just won a Super Bowl, those names would still hurt. But the, you know, the Bucks won a Super Bowl.
2: There you go.
1: Um, all right, now let's move on to round eleven. Round eleven, seeking out a guy who I don't want in round eleven. And the answer to that question is Tyler Higbee. He is a guy who it seems like, you know, every you know a few months it's like, oh, it's Tyler Higbee gonna be a thing? And the answer is usually no, Tyler is not gonna be a thing. And oftentimes the answer has been because Jared Goff is terrible, Jared Goff is gone. So that's one positive piece to the puzzle. But the negative piece is that the Rams are flush with wide receivers, with Robert Woods and Cooper Cup and Deshaun Jackson and running backs who catch the ball with Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson. I don't see where the targets are going to Tyler Higbee to make him worth a top 11 startup pick.
2: Yeah, the one small sliver of upside is that Gerald Everett is no longer a Los Angeles Ram. Uh, that I think that's really the only positive aside from the upgrade from to from Jared Goff to Matthew Stafford. But going ahead of Jonu Smith, Hunter Henry, Cole Komet, uh even Austin Hooper, uh, those those are all guys I'm I'm taking over 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 Higby. And it's just it just seems like too much to be kind of flirting with that tight end one conversation when we really don't have a real uh you know a real big time tight end here when when we're chasing uh just random tight end value for some odd reason and i understand a lot of folks are playing in tight end premium he's going to be rising up the boards a little bit but i i don't think the floor is there to be taking him as a high-end tight end too
1: all right and let's wrap up the show with round 12 who is getting overvalued in that round
2: Round 12 is an interesting one because it's a lot of value and a lot. Well, I should say it's like half value, half bad. So I I want to say someone like Raheem Mostert, just because I think like a lot of backfields are going to be is that's a full committee backfield. They added running backs. They still have Mostert. They still have Jeff Wilson. Uh, Well, he got, he got hurt. So maybe not Jeff Wilson, (laughs) but Mostert as who I think is a much more talented player. Uh, who's going to be competing for looks in Trey Sermon. It's just, it feels like, again, we're, we're reaching. You could get Kenyon Drake around later. Alexander Madison's still there. Even heck Devin Singletary, even though we poo-pooed the bills running game uh, all not that all that long ago, Daryl Henderson, there's, there's plenty of other running backs on the board where I, I feel like, yes, there is upside with Raheem Mostert. I just don't think he's the guy. And obviously if he was the guy and we knew he was the guy, he'd be going much higher. So. All that being said, we're going to talk about the guy I hate most, and that is not wide receiver, Kadarius Toney, because he is, in fact, only a return man. We talked about him earlier, and I'm not taking him by Corey Davis, Jarvis Landry, Denzel Mims. Heck, Henry Ruggs is in this round, and I would rather have Henry Ruggs than Kadarius Toney. Tony does not profile as a wide receiver. He is a Swiss Army knife. He's like if Tavon Austin didn't have hands, and that's saying a lot. Uh, I don't, I don't understand it. I get that he's got the, you know, the draft capital and whatnot, but this, everybody was like, what, what are they doing? Why would they do that? (laughs) Including the dynasty community. So there's about three people that like Kadarius Tony. You can have them take all of the shares. I will have zero. Don't draft Kadarius Tony in the 12th.
1: Yeah, I I would happily draft Kadarius Tony in the twelfth. But like you said, I I like a lot of the, that's going on in this round. I like Henry Ruggs. I like Kadarius Tony. Like Corey Davis, McGout, even Cooks if I'm going for a veteran type. But uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of value in this round, and I think Tony Tony is one of them. But I I will forever acknowledge that the floor on Kadarius Tony is a return man. Is like you know a bad version of, of Carter L Patterson or something like that, you know? <laughs> so the, the floor is low on Tony, but I mean, I'm okay
2: with a low floor when you're get, getting drafted around 12. And to to make it a little more clear, I, not that it's not clear that I don't like him is more clear in the sense of why we shouldn't be taking him. There is so much value in the, like this set of rounds between like ten and even fifteen at wide receiver, that there is no reason you should be taking Kadarius Tony. Yes, yeah, so you can chase the ceiling all day, every day. There are so many points available on the board and better prospect profiles with slightly less uh, draft capital. Someone like Diami Brown, I, I would rather have Diami Brown absolutely one hundred percent of the time. A-, a more volatile player in Mike Williams. Give me Mike Williams every day of the week. Heck. I mean, Nelson Aguilar, that's that's a wide receiver three season just sitting there four rounds later, Nathan.
1: That is something.
2: All right, let's <laughs>
1: wrap up. That is something. <laughs> uh, what am I saying? Um, we're all done for today. Uh, it's Tuesday night, and you're going to be listening to us on Thursday morning, most likely, and we will talk to you guys next week oh rate review subscribe one of these days i'm gonna look how many likes we have one of these days i'm gonna remember probably you know in a few months but i'm gonna keep on saying at the end of the show until i remember
2: let's do it